everybody's looking for the key to success to help them grow, to become more successful. You're not going to find it in a sales book. You're not going to find it in a marketing book, a book on competitive advantage, a book on strategy, a book on innovation. No, it's going to be an understanding how to build mental toughness, resiliency. That's what you need. That it's a set up, not a setback. Because I refuse to allow a negative circumstance to dictate my life. You think it's actually going to work out that way. (laughs) Here's the thing that you don't understand. Is that it's never going to beat me down. It's never going to defeat me. I'm never going to allow this to beat me. Because life doesn't happen to me. It happens for me. There are demons all around us. Demons in the form of fear. Anxiety, guilt, depression, sadness, bullying, learned helplessness, negativity. And if we allow these demons to control us, we will only continue to lose the battle on mental health. It's time for us to cut the crap from our lives and go on offense against these demons by building mental toughness and resiliency. That's why you're here. My name is Ryan Caligiuri, and welcome to the Cut the Crap Show. Right there we go. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining yours truly, Brian Caligiuri, on this week's episode of the Cut the Crap Show, where every single week I'm reading the book, connecting the book down with its core golden nuggets. Eh, sometimes I bring the author on. More often than not, the past little while, I've been enjoying the sounds of my own velvety baritones. Velvety, is that a word for to describe my voice? My voice is definitely not velvety, but... <laughs> so I sometimes bring the author on, but more often than not, just what I'm trying to do is just break down the golden nuggets of a book. So I save you time, help provide some information that can spark change in your life. But most importantly, I'm trying to help you build resilience and I'm trying to help you create your aid every single day. And if the Cut the Crap Show can be a part of that, then that's what I'm doing. That's why I've been doing this thing for three years, because I know how much it plays a role in so many of your lives to inspire you, bring some enthusiasm, to excite you, to just like fill up your day with some good, I don't know, good vibes, good energy, good information. So that's why I keep rolling this thing out. And I'm doing a new edition of this thing. So chances are you're listening to this right now on CastBox, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever, SoundCloud. You're listening to it online by audio. Well, I'm starting something new today. I decided because there's so many requests for it. I don't know why. Why do you guys want to see my face? Why do you want to see this? You know, it's the beard. It's always the beard. Anyways, I'm starting to put these episodes up on YouTube now. And you might say, Ryan, I know you're putting the audio up on YouTube. No, not the audio. Putting up the video. So I'm recording myself doing the podcast. And I know that's just something that people are getting used to now. A lot of podcasters out there, especially comedy podcasters, they're putting their podcast on YouTube but they've been on Spotify, on on whatever, all the podcast directories. So I figured, why not? I'm going to throw it up there because I know that's what you're asking for. Maybe not all of you, but a lot of you are asking for the YouTube uh, video on it. So I'm going to throw it up there so you can see what things look like in my studio, studio slash office, and what I'm doing here every single week. But this is pretty much where I've been the last three years. Like, bookshelf, it's, it's just wallpaper. It's not really a bookshelf, it's just wallpaper. But uh, in any case, no, it's, this is where I do my thing. And I don't know, it's nothing special, but this is where the magic happens. And so I'm just glad that I can kind of give you another kind of look inside Ryan Caligiuri's life. Yes, I refer to myself in the third person all the time. It's just what I do. (laughs) But anyways, 
enough jibber jabber. Let's crack into this one, right? Because it's our first episode doing it by video. So now you can kind of see how crazy I get behind the uh, behind the microphone. So today's episode, we're talking about Atomic Habits, and it's by James Clear. And again, the subtitle of this one, Atomic Habits, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. If you're wondering what I'm looking at here, I take all my notes down on my laptop. So just pulling up my laptop here, and uh, that's pretty much how this thing works every single week. Just do up my notes and uh, pull it up here. So this one's really important to me. Habits are absolutely critical because we have habits that we have planned out that we want to do, things that we are purposeful about. Unfortunately, most of our habits are done automatically. They're on autopilot. And the habits that we have are not serving us very well, but they've become so ingrained in who we are, in what we do every single day, that we tend to find it's very hard to break free of them. And when we do want to break free of them, even though we know it's not serving us, we don't want to do it. Why? Because it's a habit. It's an atomic habit, as James says. So I have a lot of clients that I work with on helping them create their eight. Create your eight, again, it's that program that I use to help people get into a constant state of enthusiasm, of optimism, helping them become more resilient so that they can bounce back from the dangers of life, the the stresses, the pressures, so they can be the most creative, they can be the most intense, so they can achieve their goals, whatever it is they're trying to do. And the big challenge that I have with Create Your Eight is breaking the habits that people have formed. I work with a lot of CEOs who are stressed out, depressed, you know, it's, it, it's a bad situation for so many of these CEOs, really, really bad situation. And the first thing I do when I go in there is find out what's stressing them out. And then I ask them what their day looks like. And then what does every day look like this week, next week? I can see the habits. I see what they do. And it's these habits don't serve them. You know, one of the most common ones is they have to work inside the office. I'm always in the office. I'm constantly being disrupted. I can never get my work done. At the end of an eight-hour workday, I have more work to do, and I go home and I do it. A lot of them say they're more productive at home working for an hour than they are in the office for a full eight. And I know that's true. But they've got that stuck in their head that this is just a habit. This is just the way it is. You know, I am a victim of the time that I spend in the office. I have to take care of every little thing that happens in this office. And unfortunately, there's not much I can do about it. That's a bad habit. Come in the office, opening your door up to everybody, coming in the office, checking your email, allowing yourself to be distracted all the time. Those are habits. They're bad habits. And habits that don't serve anybody's level of success, their mental state, doesn't help at all. So anyways, kind of going on a little bit of a tangent here. Atomic Habits is all about recognizing the bad habits in your life and helping you set up the right habits. Habits that serve you. Habits that will help you create your eight. Habits that will help you be more resilient. Habits that will help you get more done, be more productive. That's what I'm interested in. And so any book that will help me understand habits a little bit more, I'm totally interested in it. So why don't we crack right into this one? We got golden nugget number one. The smallest habits can have the most profound effect on your life. Imagine for a second, a flight that's taking off from LA to New York. Okay, this flight's going up, it's cruising, things are going well, but the pilot just decides to shift things maybe this much, maybe it's like a foot and a half, not much. What do you think happens by the time you want to hit your destination in New York? 
Well, when you get off that plane, you're going to be very surprised to find that you're not in New York, but instead you're in Washington, D.C. And you say, well, Ryan, how is that possible? He moved it maybe just like two feet. How is that possible? Because what happens is when you make small changes over the long haul, it creates big impact. And it's just a nice visual. It's just a really nice visual to understand that the changes you make today, you might not even notice it. Nobody in that plane will notice the change. Everything's going to go well. You're not going to notice it. But because you made that small change and you saw it through, it changed where you ended up. So why do I tell you that story? I tell you this story because it's the small habits that you create today that will drive lasting change. You might not notice it. And because we don't notice it, that's often why we stop and why we say this new habit doesn't serve me well. No. Remember the flight from LA to New York? It's going to throw you in Washington, D.C. because you just made a small little shift. So what I'm saying here is if you are trying to lose weight and you start going for a 20-minute walk every single day or a 20-minute jog every single day, at the end of the month, you're going to look at yourself and say, I haven't noticed any change. This is a stupid habit. It doesn't serve me at all. I'm done. I'm going to go back to sitting at home because what's the point? You're trying to save up money. You put $5 away every single week. Hell, you put away $5 a day. You put away $10 a week, whatever. You put a small amount of money down every single week. And you look at it at the end of the year and you're like, wow, that was not a whole heck of a lot of money. I got maybe like $500 here. Big deal. And they're like, what's $500? Keep that going. And you'll see how that serves you well. Same type of deal. Maybe you're trying to grow your business. You're calling maybe two or three people every single day and you're saying, I'm not seeing the results. Keep doing it. Keep at it. The most important thing here is persistence and consistency. When you're creating a new habit, persistence and consistency. That goes for anything. Running a business, trying to lose weight, trying to pay the bills, whatever it is, persistence and consistency are so important when you're trying to develop a new habit. And so the big takeaway here is that the tiniest of changes have a dramatic impact, but we're not patient enough. Very few of us have patience. And that's a problem. And that's why I think far too many of us maybe aren't in the position that we want to be in in life. We're not truly happy with our results because we don't execute with patience or confidence that we're in the right direction. We question ourselves too much and we say, ah, you know, is this the right direction? Should I be doing this? Is this right? Maybe I should switch gears. Be confident in the direction you're going. And just keep moving. It's such an important reminder, and I think we all know this for the most part, but we tend to constantly need that reminder. And the one thing that I want to say is, look at your current trajectory. Look at what you're doing. Just, do you think that 20 minutes a day of walking is good for you? Yes or no? You know the answer is yes. Do you think putting away $5 every single day or every single week is good for you? Yes or no? Yes, of course it is. So keep doing that. Believe in the direction you're going and just don't stop. And I know on the surface it could sound fluffy or maybe sound a little bit hollow or a little bit motivational or whatever, but it's, it's, this, is, this is fact, people. You want to create a new habit. A new habit that serves you. A new habit that's going to put you in a better position in life. A new habit that's going to help you create your eight. The takeaway here is that you're probably not going to notice the change right away. You're not going to notice the change for months, maybe even years. But if you believe in the new habit, keep moving on it. That to me is one of the most important things. And one of the first takeaways I want you to have. And then habits 
The new ones you form, you're not gonna see. You might not see a change right away, but over the long haul, you'll see a big change. And when you forget that, just remember that analogy of that flight going from LA to New York and just making a small little shift about this big, maybe about just two feet. You won't end up in New York anymore. You're gonna be somewhere else, like Washington D.C. Just don't forget the trajectory you're on and keep going. Golden nugget number two. Habits are automated behaviors that are learned from experience. When you come home late at night, your house is dark, your apartment's dark, your condo's dark, whatever. What do you do when you first walk in the door? You look for the light switch and you turn it on. That is an automated behavior. That's a habit. Why do we do that? What are the intricacies that make us do that? You might say, well, Ryan, it just makes sense. I can't see. I want to turn on the light. Exactly. And understanding why we do that, understanding the mechanics of that is how you are going to understand habits more. So before I give you that little equation, let me just tell you a quick story. There was a 19th century psychologist uh, named Edward Thorndike, and he did an experiment with cats. And he put these cats in a box. And this box had a lever on it where if the cat hit the lever... The cat could get out of the box. The door would open and the cat would get out. So what he did was he put the cat in the box. The cat, uh, once the door was closed, the cat got out, started sniffing things, looking around the box, started walking around, pawing at the box, and all of a sudden pawed at the lever. Then, oh, all of a sudden the door opens up. Cat's like, freedom. Here we go, baby. I got this thing. Cat gets out. Thorndike, that malicious son of a gun. He took the cat, put the cat back in the box, closed the door. Cat comes back in, son of a gun, what the heck's going on here? Cat gets out of the box, it's the same thing again. Walks around, sniff, 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 paw, paw, paw. Accidentally hits the lever, lever opens up, cat's out again, freedom. Thorndike grabs the cat, puts the cat back in. Long story short, after doing this multiple times with multiple cats, what he learned was that cats would learn that their reward was freedom. And so when he put them in there, they didn't sniff around anymore. They didn't look around. They just learned that when I get put in this box and the door closes, I jump out, hit that lever, and I'm out. That's important for us to understand because the finding from that, Thorndike, he discovered that behaviors that give satisfying consequences, in this case, gaining freedom for the cat, tend to be repeated until they become automatic. Now, that is incredibly important for us to know because it helps us understand habits more. It helps us understand that if there's a reward and if we recognize the reward, our habit has a greater chance of sticking. And so now let's understand the mechanics of the habit. When we talk about habits, habits begin with a cue or a trigger to act. So let's go back to the walking into a dark room scenario. Walking into a dark dark room, it cues you to perform an action that's going to enable you to see inside the room. Because you have this craving for change, this change in state, you want to be able to see. So now you have to have your response. Your response is action. I flip the switch so I can see. Next comes the reward. And the reward is the comfort of of safety, the ability to see, knowing there's no bad guys or saber-toothed tigers in there that are going to kill you. That's your reward. All right, so your reward doesn't necessarily have to be this big thing. It's sometimes just the simplest things. Being able to see inside your house, that's the reward. So it's your cue, your response, and your reward. Every single morning when you wake up, first thing in the morning, 
As soon as you open your eyes, that's your cue. Your cue is, oh, I woke up. Now it's time for me to feel alert. I got to wake up and I got to start my day. What's your response? Your response is, I'm going to go walk to the kitchen. I'm going to start my cup of coffee. Going to get my cup of joe on. And what's your reward? Your reward is being able to take on the day with you know, a level of alertness that maybe you wouldn't have had if you didn't have that cup of coffee. That's how habits work. That three-step process, very simple. And this is really important for all of us to remember because not all habits are good for us. Not all habits are, are serving us, but yet they follow the exact same thing. Think about it. You start to feel sad. You're not feeling good. The day's kind of getting the best of you. So what do you do? That's your cue. I feel like crap. My response, I'm going to get some food. I'm going to go get me some burger and fries. That's what I'm going to go do. You go and get your burger and fries. What's the reward? The reward is the sugar rush, the taste, how I feel afterwards. I feel satisfied. It's a terrible habit. A terrible habit. There's different ways of looking at habits, but habits can be either good or bad. So the thing I want to focus on with you in this episode is how do I help you build good habits? This book, it's all about helping you build good habits. So let's figure out exactly how we can do that. Golden nugget number three. When creating a new habit, make sure you have hard to miss cues and a plan of action. So your phone goes off. What do you do? Buzz, buzz, ding, ding. You pick up the phone. Obviously, it's your response. You go ahead. You look at it. There you go. You got rid of your fear of missing out, your FOMO. I feel better about it. That cue is hard to miss. It's always there. That's why we form habits of every single time that goes off. Or if you have your, whatever, your Apple Watch. I'm not wearing it right now. But if you have your Apple Watch on, all of a sudden you notice, hey, ding, ding. I look at my watch. I look at whatever, my phone. That's a hard to miss cue. So now that we know that hard to miss cues are important, What hard-to-miss cues are you setting up in your life to help support healthy habits or to get you away from bad habits? One of the easiest things that you can do is change your surroundings. Change the environment you're in to encourage a more healthy habit. So I'm going to reference Boston-based Dr. Anne Thorndike. Anne Thorndike was very interested in changing her, the behavior, the habits of her patients to help them live healthier lives. She noticed a lot of them were drinking pop, soda, Coke, Pepsi, whatever. She wanted them to stop. So what she did was she changed the surroundings. She changed the cafeteria layout where before she would have the, the, the pay station, the cashier right here, and the Coke used to be right here. And for those of you who are not watching the video podcast, it's just they were beside each other. So she changed it so that instead of having soda there, she would have pot or, or um, uh, water, bottles of water. And so what she noticed was over time, she formed a new habit or her patients formed a new habit. Soda sales dropped 11% and water sales jumped 25%. And she noticed that people were starting to feel more invigorated, feel more energy. They didn't have the crashes from the soda that they were drinking at lunch hour. And so what she realized here was that changing the surroundings, changing the environment supported healthier habits. So if you want to learn guitar, put the guitar in the middle of your room. It's going to be hard to to, to miss that. If you're trying to eat better, trying to eat more salads or more vegetables, then put that big bowl of vegetables or fruit in the middle of your kitchen. You're going to be more likely to snack on that than you will be looking for a bag of chips. So change your surroundings, change your environment to support your good habits. 
pay attention to what the surroundings are. The environment is that is forming bad habits in your life. So if you're not feeling productive, why aren't you feeling productive? It goes back to what I was saying earlier about CEOs. They go into the office. Listen, change your environment. If you're not productive, you don't feel like you're getting stuff done. Work from home two or three days out of the week. I can't do that. Shut up. Yes, you can. I shouldn't say shut up. That sounded very rude, but you can do that. I actually told one of my clients to shut up one of the one, one of the or a couple of weeks ago because he was fighting with me on it so much. But it's out of respect. And we go back to Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team, and we have trust at the base. So we can have conflict. Look at me trying to justify my behavior here. But uh, in any case, so the same thing happens with anything in life. Your environment, your surroundings will either support you or they'll hurt you. Find out what you have in your life and your surroundings that's helping you or hurting you. And make things easy. Make the, make, it, make the cues hard to miss. So again, if you're trying to practice guitar, put it right in the middle of your, your room, in your house, so that you can't miss it. Right? Like if you are, here's a good one for you. This is what I do. I'm doing it right now. Um, I get very busy throughout the day. So what I do is I make this cue where I put my workout clothes on, right? I put my workout clothes on. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll go to bed and I'll put it on first thing or I'll put it on before I go to bed and I'll sleep in it. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm already wearing it. I'm off. I'm, I'm off to the races. I'm good to go. I put it on right now so that I'm wearing this. My cue is, okay, well, I'm already wearing my gym clothes, so I may as well get up here and go out of the gym because I have so much work to do. I sometimes just get caught up and I just do my work. But if I'm wearing my gym clothes still, then I go to the gym. So what cues are you setting up in your life to help you? That's one way to help support a habit. The second way is to strengthen your cues by putting in place an implementation intention. So most of us tend to be too vague about our intentions. We say, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to go for a run. But it's too vague. It's not specific enough. Take this hoodie off. I don't know why I put that one on there for a second. Your implementation intention is what's going to make the difference between you talking about it and you actually doing it. An implementation intention, it introduces a clear plan of action, setting out when and where, when and where you'll carry out the habit that you'll, you want to cultivate. And research shows this works. So research was done by the United States. Um, I don't remember what, what organization was that did this, but they found this study with voters where when people are asked, are you going to vote? People would say, yes, of course I'm going to go vote, but they didn't vote. So when asked another question, two questions, what time are you going to vote? And at what station are you going to vote at? When asked those two questions, people were more likely to vote because they had a more specific plan of action in place. So for yourself, when you say, instead of saying, I'm going to go out and jog more, I'm going to eat better, more specific. I'm going to go out and I'm going to jog at 8 a.m. as soon as I wake up on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And hold yourself accountable to that. Get rid of the vagueness. That's not serving you. It's not helping you create a new habit. Get more specific about the time, the date, when you're going to do it. For myself, I know when I'm going to go to the gym. For the most part, today I'm just, I told myself I'm going to go to the gym after the podcast. And so for me, my habit was, okay, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm just going to put my, my, my workout clothes on. So something to keep in mind. Change your environment to help support your new habit. And remember your implementation plan. Right Or the word is your implementation intention. What is your implementation intention? Be very specific about how you're going to execute on that new habit. Very cool takeaways. Golden nugget number four. Humans are motivated by the anticipation of reward. So use that to create new habits.
1954, neuroscientists James Olds and Peter Milner, they ran an experiment and they attached electrodes to the brains of the rats. And the experiment was all in the name of understanding um, the neurology of desire. So they attached these electrodes to these rats' brains and that essentially blocked the neurotransmitter dopamine from being released in the brain or in the rats' brains. What did they find? They found that in a very short period of time, these rats lost the will to live. They didn't eat, they didn't drink, they didn't have sex. In a few days, they just died. And so it really shined the light on the importance of dopamine to drive us to take action. And the cool thing here is that dopamine can be released in your brain by doing certain actions such as eating food, listening to good music, having sex. So by actually doing the action. But again, what's cool here is that not only is it by doing the action, but by thinking about the the action, that also releases dopamine. So by thinking about getting that piece of food, by thinking about listening to good music, by thinking about having sex, your brain is is automatically releasing dopamine as well. That is the brain's way of trying to drive you to action. And we can use that to our advantage when forming new habits. A great technique that is shared in the book is called temptation bundling. And that's when you take a behavior that you know is important, but you're not really looking forward to it, but you link it to a behavior that you're drawn to, one that generates that motivating dopamine hit. Take, for example, the gym, right? Let's go back to the gym. Let me put my hoodie back up here because we talk about the gym all the time and the gym is so important. But we don't want to go because it's hard. You go there, you get sweaty, I'm tired, a long day, I'm in pain afterwards. Like It's just not enjoyable and I get it, but we all know that we have to go to the gym. How many of you out there listening right now are going to say to me, gym, that's not important, I don't have to go to the gym. Of course you have to go to the gym, we all do. We all got to keep healthy, we all got to keep strong, we got to make sure that our muscle mass stays up, all that stuff, right? Low body fat percentage, we all know this. Heart health, brain health. Good luck trying to tell me going to the gym is a bad idea. Impossible. So, you don't want to go to the gym. How do we use this technique of temptation bundling to help form a new habit? What about the music you listen to? What if you only allowed yourself to listen to a certain album, certain music when you went to the gym? You couldn't wait to go to the gym because you can't wait to listen to that music. What if you had certain podcasts that you wanted to listen to? You love listening to these podcasts, but you only allow yourself to listen to them when you go to the gym. Temptation bundling. What happens if you only allow yourself to watch your favorite show? Maybe it's Game of Thrones. Maybe it's Orange is the New Black, whatever. Something on Netflix, something on Hulu. What if you only allow yourself to watch this while you're at the gym? You pull it up on your phone, you put your earphones on, your AirPods, whatever, your wireless, and you just listen to it. You may not be able to watch it unless you're sitting on a bike or you're on a treadmill or whatever, but you only allow yourself to watch that or listen to it when you go to the gym. Temptation bundling. Find a pleasurable activity, something that supports you, and tie that to something that maybe isn't so fun to do. The gym. Of course, don't couple going to the gym with eating McDonald's. Yeah, I'm going to go to the gym, so now I get McDonald's. It doesn't work that way. Come on, you know what I'm talking about here. So if you're trying to be a smart aleck and come at me and be like, perfect, I'm going to combine going to the gym with going to McDonald's. Get out of here. I already saw that coming. (laughs) So 
Temptation bundling is a very important technique that we need to make use of. And in the book, they talk about an engineer where this engineer actually just hacked his bike so that when he would pedal, it would fuel his laptop. And so when he'd stop pedaling, his laptop would shut off and he would watch Netflix. He's watched his favorite show on there. And I was like, that's a very cool idea. I mean, none of us are going to actually hack a bike to do that exact same thing. But what mechanisms can we put in place that we only allow ourselves to do when we go to the gym that we find great pleasure in? And eventually what happens is the cool thing that happens is that you're not going to need that stimulus anymore because going to the gym is going to give you that satisfying feeling. Why? Because now you're going to look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, damn, I look good. You're going to get compliments. You're going to look better in clothes. And that by itself is going to be the reward. You're not going to need that stimulus anymore, but you might need that stimulus to help you kickstart that new behavior. Great technique here. Temptation bundling. Absolutely love that one. Put that one to use for you when you're trying to start a new habit. All right, golden nugget number five. If you want to create a new habit, make the habit as easy as possible to adopt. Now, forming new habits that are easy, sometimes it just takes no effort. Pick up the phone and scrolling through and creating that habit of every time it goes ding and I go ahead and I look at my notifications, that doesn't take up any, any or that doesn't take any effort for me to do. And yet I spend hours upon hours on my phone every single week. So do you. But do the hard stuff. Go to the gym. Learn new language. Do business development. Do your accounting. All that stuff is very hard. And you don't necessarily want to do it. So we've kind of already started to talk about different things that we could do, different techniques. Here's a new technique. Reduce friction. If you're trying to form a new habit, reduce the friction that prevents you from doing it. So for example, the author tells a story about how he was terrible at sending out greeting cards, greeting cards for birthdays, for anniversaries, for whatever he had. He never did it. Yet he wanted to do it, but he never could do it. So what, again, I'm wearing this hoodie again. I don't know why I keep popping it up. It's so hot. Uh, So what he ended up saying was he told his wife this and she was like, well, just reduce the friction. So what she did was she went out, got a whole bunch of boxes of cards. She got a card for every possible occasion that she can think of. Everything from a birthday to, you know, somebody's new kid, whatever. Congratulations on buying a new car, whatever. She went to the the store and bought a whole bunch of cards. She took these cards, put it on the counter. There is no excuse as to why the author can't send out greeting cards anymore. There's no friction. It's labeled too. Birthdays, anniversaries, you know, whatever. Marriage, doesn't matter whatever your, your, your card is for. He's got a card for everything now. No friction. The exact same thing with me putting on my, um, my, my, my workout uh, outfit before I go to bed. I'll put it on. So that first thing in the morning when I wake up, zero friction. I'm already wearing my gym clothes. All I got to do is put on my shoes and I'm out. Or I just got to go downstairs and do my workout downstairs. Right? No friction. So the question you need to ask yourself is, what friction do you have that prevents you from working out? What friction do you have that prevents you from eating right? If you're not eating right and you're sitting there eating garbage or you're thinking about junk food, maybe you have too much friction. Maybe you don't have the right food there. Maybe you didn't do your meal prep. That's why meal prep is so important. There's no, no friction. You've done the meal prep. It's sitting in the fridge. You're hungry. Instead of going for that bag of chips or ordering something online, ordering a pizza, you have food in the fridge. It reduces friction from you straying from your diet. So think about you. What habits are you trying to create and what friction exists that maybe you can remove? That's key. The second trick for making habits 
easier to stick and make them long-term is something that the author calls the two-minute rule. And it's a way to make any new activity feel manageable. So this one I kind of, I don't know, I was a little iffy on, but I'll share it with you anyways. The two-minute drill says, listen, if you're trying to go to the gym or you're trying to just read more, don't straight up go to the gym. Okay, this is tough for me to say. Let me just spit it out here. They say just focus on something for two minutes. Go and put on your your gym shoes. If you're going to go to the gym or you're going to go for a run, if you're going to go for a run, just go and put on your, your gym shoes. That's it. Commit to doing that for two minutes. All right? If you're watching the video podcast, if you're watching the video on YouTube, then you kind of see I'm a little bit skeptical about this. If you want to read more, then just commit to reading two pages. That's it. Just commit to the bare bones. You're not even working out. You're not even reading the full book. You're reading two pages. You're putting on your gym clothes, your gym shoes too. That's it. And so when I sit there, I'm like, really? So I just won't see myself doing that personally. Maybe it'll work for you. It's not going to work for me. I'm trying to form a new habit. I don't know if if that's going to work, but apparently this works. The two-minute rule, this is from the book. The two-minute rule is a way to build easily achievable habits, and those can lead you on to greater things. Once you've pulled on your running shoes, you'll probably head out for a run. Once you've read two pages, you'll likely continue. The rule recognizes that simply getting started is the first and most important step towards doing something. That last point I agree with. But the whole thing about just putting on your shoes and then you're going to end up going to the gym. Maybe if you just commit to the habit of every single day, I got to put on my gym clothes. You put on your gym clothes and you're like, all right. I did it. Back to the couch for me. That's kind of what I picture in my head. So if you're going to commit, then just commit fully. Right? So the two-minute rule to me, I, I, I personally don't like it that much. If you're going to commit to doing something, commit to doing something. Maybe use one of the other techniques that we shared. You know, the bundling technique to me is way more effective than doing this. But anyways, I have to share it with you. It's in the book. I share it with you. It's my opinion. I don't know if you like it. If you like it, tell me if you like it. If you're going to use it. Tell me you use it and tell me that you found it successful. Maybe commit to doing the two-minute rule for a full 20 days. Tell me how it works out for you. But that is those are two techniques. Uh, essentially, I'm not a big fan of the two-minute rule. I do like the reducing friction rule, though. That one, to me, is really important, and I think that we all need to do our best to remove friction in our lives. All right, and last but not least, golden nugget number six To make your habit long-term, it needs to be immediately satisfying. This is an interesting one because I've always looked at habits not to be immediately satisfying, but I looked at the long-term. I looked at where I was going, why I was doing it. And that vision, that direction I was going in, that's what fueled my habit, why I was doing it. The author's saying it needs to be immediately satisfying. And he's got some interesting studies that help back that up. He's got one story in particular that really resonated with me. And it was of a public health researcher in the 1990s. His name was Stephen Luby. And he did something truly amazing. He was working in a neighborhood in Pakistan. And the neighborhood wasn't very healthy. A lot of people were dying because it wasn't very clean. Sanitation issues. But what he did was truly remarkable. He achieved a huge 52% reduction in diarrhea among the local children. Pneumonia rates dropped by 48% and skin infections dropped by 35%. What was his secret? (laughs) His secret was easy. It was nice soap. Nice soap. That was it. 
he found that people weren't washing their hands because the soap wasn't very nice. It was kind of dirty, didn't smell good. So he said, listen, what if we started using nice soap, soap that felt good, that smelled really good, smelled like fruits and, and flowers? Would people use it more? The answer to that was obviously yes. People started to wash their hands far more frequently and they were able to keep cleaner. They were more sanitized. They were eating with, with, help, with clean hands now. And that drove such amazing results. And that's the lesson that the author wants to take away, wants us to take away, is that if we want to form a new habit, it needs to be immediately satisfying. So what are you doing to make your new habit immediately satisfying? That's the question. And this to me is probably one of the most important rules for behavior change is to make your habit satisfying. Find any way possible to make it satisfying. Because if you're taking on a new habit and you hate it, it's not going to last. We all know that. We've already talked about golden nuggets where you you only allow yourself to listen to a podcast or a piece of music or watch a show while you're doing it. That's one way to do it. Reducing friction is another way to do it. There's a whole bunch of different techniques. And... This today is even more difficult for evolutionary reasons because we live in this world today that academics call a delayed return environment where you go to work today, but you don't get compensated for the work today. You get compensated two weeks time. You go to the gym today, but you don't lose weight overnight. It takes time. And our brains evolved to cope with the immediate return environment of earlier humans who weren't thinking about long-term things like we are, like savings or losing weight. For them, it was going out, killing that animal, bringing that boar back, and feeding the family. It was walking endless amounts of, 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 of hours to find a cave, to find shelter that we could be in, to find the right tools to make fire. Instant gratification. The thing with immediate returns is that it can be bad too. Right? You smoke that cigarette, all of a sudden you get that high from the nicotine bad behavior you go to uh, mcdonald's or burger king or wendy's or aw whatever you go get that fast food oh i feel good right right away that immediate gratification can be very dangerous the immediate gratification of picking up your cell phone and spending some time on it and that you know one minute of picking up your cell phone turns into two hours of you just killing time immediate graphic gratification can be a bad thing so when you're pursuing habits with a delayed return try to attach some immediate gratification to them Use immediate gratification to your advantage. What could that be? The author uses an example in the book that I found was pretty interesting where this couple was trying to save up more money for a trip. Um, They were trying to spend less. They were trying to go out. uh, They were trying to eat out less because they just formed a habit of always going out to eat, always buying food, always ordering in. And so what they decided was that when the couple wanted to go out and eat, instead of going out and eating, what they did was they created a checking account, a savings account that was called our Euro Trip Fund. And every single time that they wanted to go out and eat or every single time they wanted to order food, they would put $50 into their new savings account. Why? Because the immediate gratification of seeing that number in their account go up made them feel good. And it supported their new habit of not eating out, of not spending more money. That new habit was reinforced with this savings account. That was a good mechanism for them. Immediate gratification. 
some folks, for example, they I, I notice this a lot, and I don't know if it bugs some of you. It doesn't bug me. I don't care. Do do your thing. But when people go to the gym, they like to go ahead and post that they're going to the gym, and they get the immediate gratification of Instagram likes and and comments and saying, "Yeah, you go do it, man. You do it, girl. Go get it." Immediate gratification. They feel good, right? They're getting people supporting them. I don't know. Maybe that's something you do. Maybe do a an Instagram live and say, you know, day one of a hundred. Here I go. And all of a sudden, people are like, yeah, Ryan, go ahead and do it. You're getting instant gratification because people are, are supporting you. There's another way to do it. The key here is that we've learned that instant gratification is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just a thing. Use it to your advantage. Use it to your advantage to help you form a new habit. Whatever that is. For me, the instant gratification, as soon as I get in the gym, I go to the podcast thing. I go to the podcast, I listen to music, I listen to playlists that I only listen to when I'm there. That's my instant gratification, right? I feel good. So that's the key that you need to find. Immediate satisfaction will help drive new behavior. And once you create that habit, once you've been doing that for a number of days, a number of weeks, all of a sudden that habit, you don't need that instant gratification anymore because it's just a part of your life. You just do it now. And that comes down to Now, moving forward with discipline. Now you have the discipline to stay on your grind. You have the discipline to stay on your habit, right? Remember? Remember that thing I was telling you about? 3D, discipline determines destiny. That's key. On that note, my friends, that is a wrap. That is Atomic Habits, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones by James Clear. Listen, you want to create new habits because you want to create your eight every single day. We want to be in that peak state every single day. We want to pull ourselves out of the dredges. We want to get ourselves into a positive uh, mental attitude. We want to fight away those automatic negative thoughts, and we want to put ourselves in a better position in life. The only way that I know how to do that is creating new habits that fuel new behavior, fuel new results. So important. And that's why I love this podcast episode. I love it so much, and I hope that you will as well. There's good takeaways from this. Takeaways that after I read it, I'm going to put into place. And I hope there's some things in here that you're going to put into place too. So if you love this episode, then please subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the show, rate, review, share it with your friends, do all that stuff. It just means a lot to me that we continue getting the good word out there. Keep planting good seeds in the world. Because in the end, like that's, that's the best thing that I can possibly do here. Right, continue to do my thing, continue to inspire, educate, and uh, I just hope that it resonated with you. And maybe there's something, nothing in here that resonated with you. I'd be surprised, though, if nothing resonated with you in this episode, because there's a lot of good golden nuggets from here. But anyways, like I said, I put my clothes on. That's my habit. I'm going to shut this thing down. I'm going to get my butt in the gym and uh, do a back and, uh, what is it, back and bicep day today. So I got to get to it. So I hope you all have a productive, oh wait, hold on a second quick call to action a couple of them if you haven't rated and reviewed the show then please rate and review the show especially if you're listening on an apple device just go to the podcast app shows scroll up and um find uh, find the show and uh rate and review five stars preferably that mean a lot to me don't forget to check out my sister's show the people scientist she's killing it every single week condensing all these reports all of her studies down she's a neuroscientist as well so go ahead and uh, check out her show the people scientist always great content on there and um, connect with me on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you're listening to this and you haven't watched it, then uh, go on to YouTube. Find me on YouTube and subscribe and see what this good-looking mug 
is doing here in my office and check out the ridiculous bookshelf behind me. Yeah, it's just it's just it's just wallpaper, guys. Don't worry about this wallpaper. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap for this week. So have yourselves a fantastic, productive, inspired week, everybody. I love you all. Take it easy. What's stopping you? Are you too tired? Didn't get enough sleep? Don't have enough energy? Don't have enough time? Is that what's stopping you right now? Don't have enough money? Is that the thing? Or is the thing that's stopping you, you? Excuses sound best to the person that's making them up. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get off the pity party. Telling everybody your sad and sob stories, trying to get people to show up to your pity parties and your pity parades. If you ever see me in a Rolls Royce, a six or seven star hotel, living my life to the fullest, don't get jealous of me. Because I work my ass off to get it. Nobody handed me nothing. Wake your ass up. Awaken the beast inside. It's game on. It's go season. It's time for you to take advantage of the access and the resources that you have in your country and your community. You got a problem with your life. You got a problem with your environment. Do something about it. If you want it, go get it. Recognize the excuses are not valid. They're conjured up. They're fabricated. They're lies. And how do you stop the lies? You stop the lies with the truth. And the truth is, you have time. You have the skill. You have the knowledge and the support and the willpower and the discipline to get it done. The fruit of everything good in life begins with a challenge. Everything is a pill that's worthwhile. And it's not going to come to you and it's not going to fall in your lap. And it's not going to be something that, oh my God, it just was so simple. It's always going to be difficult. If you want it, you got to go get it. This is your chance. This is your shot. This is your moment. This is your time. This is your place. This is your opportunity. This is my time. This is my moment. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Ain't no such thing as tomorrow. We only got today. It's your dream. If you want to have it, lift your butt up and make it happen. If you want to have it, rise and grind. You still got work to do. Stay on that basketball court. Stay on that football field. It's grind season, homie.